Hello, and thanks for joining us. I'm Sergio, your handler, and this is episode two of the Mayday Debrief for our Delta Green campaign, Doomed to Repeat. We'll be answering your questions submitted from all over the internet, as well as a few of our own. Uh, this is not live, but if you have any questions, feel free to drop them in the chat, and we'll answer them on the third and final debrief. A reminder that this is a spoiler-heavy talk, so if you haven't listened to the sessions that take place in 1984's Detroit, then I suggest you catch up before proceeding. Uh, so, with that out of the way, let's go to Detroit's least favorite journalist, Oliver Lake, played oh. by Caleb. <laughs> oh, no. That's just He's my favorite journalist. Look, he's yes. beloved that by Detroit, hated by journalists. I'll stand by <laughs> Um, so I've got two questions for you guys today to kick off the recap. And the first one comes from an illustrious guest, and that's Vince from Black Project Gaming. What's up, Vince? He's brought us a bunch of questions, but this is just one of those that he, he threw at us. Um, and I think it's a really good one to start off the show with, and it's targeted at our glorious, beautiful handler, Sergio. Um, Sergio, <laughs> what was the inspiration behind revamping uh, Reverberations as a scenario? How much uh, research went into portraying 1980s Detroit? It's a good question. So I revamped Reverberations for two reasons. One, because if it was going to be a historical scenario, it needed to have more relevance to the year I was going to set it in. And um, secondly, because uh, I think that I... The scenario is excellent. The scenario is the perfect scenario to explain to a handler how to run a drug sting operation, right? Like it has all the, 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 the things you need, all the events and whatnot. But it has a slightly anticlimactic ending. It stops at the Preda. There, there, there's nothing to do with the fate or any what? of that. The fate are what? like... You wouldn't even know the fate were involved if you didn't find that VHS. You remember that the perennial agents eventually put in and watched? Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. tape, um, in the original version, had a female lord that came to visit Spider-J. And when I read that, it was just like a single line. And the, the, the VHS was meant to be found in a dumpster outside the hotel. So if your agent was really good, maybe they would find it. But it was very <laughs> unlikely that they would. So when I realized when I realized that the fate were kind of the real bad guy, I said, "Okay, let me just let let me just make them more involved." And it was perfect because I wanted to set it in 1984 because you guys were near Detroit, and I knew that Detroit had a, a, a sordid history when it comes to um, Devil's Night, when it comes to Halloween and stuff. Uh, the reason I know it is because I have a friend who wrote a screenplay that was a horror screenplay that took place in Detroit in the present day on Devil's Night. But, you know, in, in kind of reading about it and, and learning from him the details about it, he was around there in 1984. Uh, he's, he was a little bit older than me, so he was kind of a teenager then. Uh, but he, you know, he it, it just sounded like such a crazy, evocative time in America and Detroit's history and it just felt perfect. You know, it was the perfect thing to exploit that, that not a lot of people know, knew about. Not even a lot of Northerners really, you know, 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 know about it. Um, so uh, that was, those were the many, many reasons why I kind of decided to just reform it and to make it something else. Um, 
I, I stuck to a lot of the things that were in Reverberations, uh, going to the club, the interview with uh, the guy that was in the jail. I forget what his name was. Oh. Uh, uh, oh, big, big, he was big something. Not bad Luke, but yeah, it oh. wasn't bad Luke. Oh, it was um, the other guy. It's in my notes. Anyway, anyway, that in, that interview was was kind of always there. Um, the 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 Preda experience was always there, but that was kind of it. You know, the, you know, the the scenario actually implicated a different kind of enemy that uh, are called the Chocho, uh, and the Chocho are also known as the Yuchi. And I don't know if you guys remember, there was a point where the agents learned about this indigenous mountain people called the Yuchi. Yeah. Yes. And essentially, they're basically uh, 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 what is it called? Mythos touched people. They're, but they're also Asian people, and I just sometimes it's hard to depict the Chocho because it's basically evil Asian people. And so yeah. I thought, right. okay, you know what? Let me just leave that alone. They exist. Yeah. They still exist, but they're not kind of you know they, they weren't around to be interviewed in the scenario reverberations. You could interview people of the Chocho community. I just thought it was kind of treading on thin ice. And I just thought that because it's 1984, the fate were in their heyday then. So why not just kind of make them the real enemy? Um, and it, it allowed for me to add a lot more clues. You guys spent a lot more time learning about who it, who was really behind all of this. And also, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Deborah Constance? No, um, Constance is not in there. Uh, I added her. A uh, spooky ghoul lady. Spooky ghoul lady. Tanika. 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 Tanika was in the scenario, but she was not a ghoul. I decided to make her a ghoul because oh. it would be just kind of, you know, another connection because the fate and ghouls do have connections. Um, yeah. So that's kind of my explanation for, you know, some of the reasons why I, I made those changes. I had I no would... idea that yeah. you changed so much. Yeah. Like, yeah. Word. yeah. None. I think the fate was the better way to go too, because I think it syncs so well with perennials attitude and the things that we've experienced or will experience. And like, it makes for a great villain. That Lord of thought was like, I wanted 50 more sessions to try and understand that relationship. And that I thought that battle in the hotel was like part of the module. I thought that whole yeah. thing yeah. was like, Oh, this is where it ends. I, I thought the scenario needed that because look, let's be honest. The Preda moment is terrifying. And obviously, yeah. uh, uh, Oliver lost a bunch of sanity in that experience. Uh, you know, everyone kind of did. I think everyone went temporarily insane, yeah. mm -hmm. but yes. it just felt like that's where the scenario ended. I just thought mm, there has to be a conclusion, a little bit more of a conclusion to it. Uh, so that, yeah, that's why I kind of implemented that last little bit. Yeah. I mean, we were definitely not anywhere near conclusion at the end of Preda either. Like, we hadn't even figured out whether we were going to kill each other or not. Right. Like, right. Okay, I have one more. This is from me straight off the dome here. I was trying to think of it. Um, okay, so I want you to think of this question in the realm of Sergio does not exist. He cannot kill your dreams, okay? <laughs> so, in okay. a world where Sergio cannot kill your dreams... For those of you who are still alive, what does life after Devil's Night look like? And for those of you who are dead, how are you remembered after Devil's Night? Mm. 
We'll start with uh, alphabetically. So I think that's what leg. It's me. I think oh, it's fuck you. Oh, it's Eric. Eric. Oh, okay. I letters. I think the double A cancels out. A, so a wrong. Makes me last. Interesting. Yeah. A, a wrong. <laughs> uh, always you first. So I I I feel like a deer in the headlights. I'm sorry. Can you can you like <laughs> yeah. give me the, the like Cliff Notes version of the question so, again? Post Devil's Night, how do you see Fluke being remembered? What's his legacy oh, after? Well, uh, I think Night. the only people that dug up any information about him was really perennial. So I think, you know, his legacy is most for the most part merit being like, I don't want to be that guy. Oh. I don't want to but also merit knowing I am that guy. But I don't want to be yeah. that guy. But I am that guy. I have to be that guy. But I am that guy. I am that guy. Um so I mean honestly, I think of anything, it's his legacy is that he's like a, a big fat flashing warning sign for, for what not to do. Yeah. I, I think love maybe that. Carl, your fishing buddy, misses you. Maybe Daryl. The only bond yeah. he had was Daryl. Daryl. The question is, did Daryl actually exist? Oh, oh, no. oh, oh. He'd have you to have if bonds he was with your yourself. Bond. Yes, no, he'd have to. <laughs> 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 so he's like, no, he has bond Yeah, how would you? I can confirm he did. <laughs> you, you can't remove points from someone that doesn't exist. You're fighting with your own imaginary friend. <laughs> that would track though for Aaron. I mean, listen though, <laughs> that he was like so bad shit and say that like yeah, the bond. I don't know how much good the bond did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of us projected on any of our bonds no. anyway. No, I don't think we did. <laughs> or I think I did once, but that was it. Yeah, yeah. Allegra? Um, well, after, after, after Devil's Night. Uh, well, Rose deals with her secret that Ollie never knew. Uh, and how that changes her life. I kind of feel you, like you wait, should say what that secret is. Should I say what it was? I, I know yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah. go for no, it. Like you, it's it's pretty obvious. Rose was pregnant. So like, yeah. no, I know yeah. that. No, I yeah. didn't know that. What the fuck? Yes. Oh, so so that's like a big deal. I would I know. <laughs> I would have shot at you. Well, okay. I had to be clear. No, no, no. To be one hundred percent clear. What was it? Oliver's child. Yes, dumbass. I just wanted to be sure. No, wow. so the thing was, Wait, did I ass. shoot at that character? Yes, I don't think did. I did. Never you mind. You did shoot at me. Did. You definitely shot at me. Okay, I wouldn't have done that. If I knew that, I would well, not no. have done that. I still so, would have. So the, I know you would have, Aaron. I'm very <laughs> and, aware. I, oh, so the no. whole logic of it was, okay, like Rose was like, okay, what the fuck do I do? Oliver's gonna like getting ready to die. I don't want him to die. How do I keep him alive? What's the thing Oliver loves most? Knowledge. Secrets. I have a secret mm -hmm. Oliver doesn't know. He knows everything else about me. If I tell him, he's going to want to live to find out what the fuck the secret Damn. is. And then, and then it's a secret, but it wasn't actually like she didn't know it was true at the time. She was just like, "This is a secret that one, if he lives, it's easy to fake. It's easy to yeah, actually make real. It's yeah. easy to make real. Like <laughs> easy to make real. Sur survival, <laughs> you know, like survival take survival happiness takes many forms. Yeah. Uh, two. It's like, it's a pretty, like, she's guessing he'll make that jump, so he'll want to survive even more. And then he doesn't survive, and she does, and she's like, okay, well, I guess I never have to, like, deal with that. That was just, like, a like a, like a lie, basically, that ended up coming true. I kind of feel like Rose <laughs> would be regretful of not telling him. Oh, like, she you totally, never told him. Totally. She never told him, and oh. I think that, like, wrecks her from, from yeah. there on out. And, like, she, like, the kid, like, the kid's middle name is after him. And there's like a whole, so she's been like living with her, like with, with her daughter and trying to, let's go I think find she... that kid. 
What? Let's what? go find that kid. You could. Let's. Althea is somewhere out there. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, so that's most of it. Is she keeps working with Constance to just try and keep like uh. herself safe from the from the group, basically, mm-hmm. to keep herself and in, in the baby safe and. Yeah, that's the main stuff. I I have my like soft like oh she hangs out with Echo and like Echo and her kid. And, <laughs> Echo doesn't, doesn't want to hang out with you. There's no way in hell it happens. Hey, like, like the soft little happy part of me is like yeah, she and Echo are friends still. And she it's lets great. me hold her hand. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Amanda. Look, Rose had crushes. It was fine. <laughs> Amanda. Um. Well. Because Frost bit the dust mm-hmm. i'm <laughs> the way i kind of think is um them kind of like not too much like of as a bad guy just probably because they were brand new to the program they wanted to they saw a fluke as like okay this person's gonna help make or break my career either and they know that the program will off people so they were trying super hard to be impressive didn't like realize getting in too late that this person was literally a wolf in sheep's clothing. So that's where they, I would say she was regretful kind of like in the prison. Cause that's why if you notice, uh, like she just kind of turns herself in, but she doesn't really like fight. She's just like, I'm not going to fight another cop. Cause I, cause she was U S Marshal with certain other things. And so she had like very adamant, like, no, I'm not going to do that. Cross this line. And because of all, like, the not communicating properly and kind of, like, that's where she put all her chips on Luke, which was the wrong bet. So that's why at the end, I think to her, she just kind of was just like, okay, I just don't want, everyone will think of me as an asshole, but however, if I die, I can make peace with, I wasn't a total, like, you know, try to at least do one last good thing before that's what, before she inevitably I mean, with, without a doubt, Papa. Frost kind of redeemed herself. Yeah. 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 Totally. So, what about Nana and Pop Pop? Like, <laughs> you were hanging out with them, and now you're you, so, you went on a trip, and then you're gone. Uh, I had a little thing because search because we talked about how my character was really kind of almost a little bit into like serial killers and all that, and it was 1984, which is around when uh, the Night Stalker was really going up rampant, and she was in San Diego, so that's why she was like a little extra. Like maybe a little too gung ho with like that sensitivity going on with that mindset of murders, and so that's why they were very adamant about like we got to capture the bad guy because that was that's how I was like kind of picturing like oh this was happening around this time, so she would be like extra intense of trying to right the wrongs type thing. So that's so cool. She just made the wrong call. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Who's next, Caleb? Caleb? Oh. Uh... Well, you know, I think uh, Ollie's legacy is those tapes, and that's what carries him through. And so my biggest hope for him is, one, of course, that Rose is happy and safe and the child is good and everything. Of course, he has no, you know, awareness of that, but such is life. But outside of that, total tinfoil hat conspiracy, bane of the uh, Delta Green's existence for a couple of months until they clean up him completely but i'm hoping somewhere somewhere on the deep web there are people that still talk about lakes experiments and they have you know bootleg versions of the tapes and you know the, the wiring of meeting echo in the in the music shop and everybody starts looking into echo because of all that i just hope that 
a few people out there are trying to keep Lake alive, like I know Rose is, but Rose is probably keeping him alive in a much less um, glorified sort of way, or like uh, Rose does not want Oliver to be remembered for being the dumbass truth seeker that he was. Well, a little so bit, he has, she does. <laughs> a little, yeah, because that's who he is. But these people are like, he, uh, he broke down the systems and shit like that. Like, I, I want that for him. She's very so proud at of least that those stairs didn't take everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen to Echo, to be honest. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, things up in the air. I mean, in a perfect world, like, Echo would just, like, leave Detroit get her kid and stuff like that but like echo's in a custody battle that's the biggest problem right now she's in a custody battle with her with her mom over casein because of the fact that she works with the with the pony now gag and she's involved (laughs) in a lot of illicit shit and she doesn't uh feel fit to be like a mom but you know um but I'm afraid that the 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 Lord of Thought's gonna come back for her eventually because you know she offered and got Luca out of his situation. So I don't know how that plays out for everything else. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, amen. I think Echo's probably the most up in the air. I'm so scared. Serge is gonna bring bring her back as something out of the blue. I'm just gonna panic in the middle. It's like a Echo and Halo tag team. Like she was Marlene all along. I'm here for that. (laughs) That's terrible. Um, Frog, actually, I want her to like, I don't know. I th- Okay, I think she, she stops being a cop because this experience was the worst. Um, but I also want her to like take over the arcade that they went to that one time. Oh, I have, yeah. I have a whole like document about how she like starts teaching self-defense classes and it like becomes a daycare that you take your children to. It's like, it's all very cute. It's still an arcade, but also like she teaches kids how to kick ass. Nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I want that I for like, her. There's a dojo like floor, like with arcades kind of all around. Yeah. Yeah. It's like with the like. A jujitsu room? <laughs> yeah. A, ju- a jujitsu room. Yeah. Yes. Aww. Yes. Where there's like air hockey. They just push the tables to the side and then kick each other. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't it be nice if that's what happened to everybody? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. why I, I wanted to preface <laughs> that question to make sure everyone understood it was as if Sergio couldn't touch you. Sergio, I have dreams, uh-huh. but, you know, yeah. Sergio's like, yep, mm-hmm, that's not going to happen. Great. Cool. No. <laughs> Any other you questions, know Caleb? No, no, I got okay. nothing else. We're right. good. Um, I don't know who's... Uh, Amanda, you're next. That's me. So I actually have uh, one more from Vince from Black Project Gaming. Uh, what was the inspiration for your F-Cell agents and friendlies? Well, I'll just preface before, uh, as you guys think, that one of the things I also added to the scenario is that because it was in 1984, it was important that I be as accurate as possible to the, to what Delta Green, how Delta Green was operating in the 80s, and they operated in cells of only three people, which meant I have six players, so I have to come <laughs> up with something else. Oh, I'll make at least three of them friendlies in, in some way. So that was kind of the reason I split you into three groups, or two groups of three. 
For me, my character for Echo was based off Benny from City of God. Because mm -hmm. uh, City of God is my favorite movie. And uh, I like Benny's character because he's, despite being like doing what he was doing he was very well liked it didn't matter what gang you were a part of it didn't matter who you were within the city everybody knew benny everybody loved benny so my whole tagline when i was looking for bonds with everybody else was that i was the coolest kid in detroit city because i know everything and anything you could possibly know and i thought being an information hub and like a, a liaison between like getting information on drugs and being in the darker parts of detroit city would be a good idea to have a a friendly or at least try to but it didn't necessarily work out with f cell <laughs> yeah, no kidding no kidding uh i know i know for me i i started out kind of doing what caleb was doing i was like i'm gonna be like 1984 mj watson like crazy <laughs> into it in over her head investigative reporter and then i texted caleb I was like hey what are you thinking for this and he goes oh and he had this like he had oliver all planned out and it was like all written down i was like fuck i can't do that anymore okay what am i doing then and i i don't ever play high intelligence characters because i get too overwhelmed and then i get like anxious and i forget to be smart um and so i was like okay yeah i'll be smart this time see how that goes stressful but it was so fun i really i really liked it and then um she was from like Oklahoma originally, uh, because my family's from in that area, and it's it was just kind of nice to have like that tie back and like all the weird stuff that you know you like hear from family that lives kind of out in the boonies, um, and so I think it was nice to have like a really intellectual person with a person who was kind of aware of all the like unexplainable stuff, but had that like hunger to like I have to know what the unexplainable stuff is, um, so that's kind of where that came from for me. Um, I mean, I just really wanted to play like that. I don't know why, but for some reason, like, the 80s popped into my head and, like, that that trope of, like, I'm going to retire in one week. Like, and then, like, everybody, everybody, like, hits the floor because, like, bullets are about to start flying type. I don't know why, but that, like, stuck out in my head. So I literally, I made Fluke um, the FBI retirement age minus one, mm -hmm. and his birthday was a week after the 1984 scenario. Oh. So it was literally his last week in the FBI, and it was his last <laughs> mission. <in> the <laughs> and so the fact that he like didn't make it out of that situation was just perfect. Everything yeah. I could have, like the the cop the, uh, that's about to retire, and you know obviously he's not going to make it to retirement because he had the audacity to say, "This is my last one." <laughs> That's right. Uh, I remember when Aaron said, I just want to play like a really old about to retire agent. And I said, okay, but you're going to be fucking crazy because there's no way <laughs> you last to 56 and not have some serious issues. But I was also like, you got it. <laughs> I knew. I knew you were going to For anyone to deliver on that, that would be Aaron. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no kidding. But then Sergio was like, your agent's in charge. And I was like, are you Whoa. sure? Are you sure you want to do that? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone embodies what Delta Green really is more than Fluke. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like he's a model. He would be model agent. Yeah, Delta Green influencer. <laughs> Zakia, how about you? Um, Frog. Yeah, all of Frog. Frog's whole thing is like video game focused. Um, cause I was thinking about the Don Bluth adventure games 
that are super old, but essentially like Frog thinks that she's a knight and that just doesn't work in Detroit. <laughs> so like all of her choices are like trying to be knightly and noble. It's like everything is broken. There's no way to make like a good choice without hurting somebody. Mm, yeah. um, that's also why her last name is Bluth. Uh, and I didn't name her Frogger because legal reasons, but Frog. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. She tries to make the best choice and she can. Um, Frost is... Best way I thought of was I just wanted someone kind of like... I just thought of like Ronda Rousey at first. So like, <laughs> but right. like, that's so right. like, because that's who I sent for the art piece. I was just like, okay... Like, but like that kind of caged fighter, but MNMA wasn't around at that time. So that's what, like, like, that's where I was like, oh, she does have a temper. She just doesn't have MMA to take it out on. So I, a young puppy, loosely based Ronda Rousey. That was it. So imagine Ronda Rousey in the red dress. That's the takeaway <laughs> from the whole yeah. thing I can contribute to 1984. Yeah. Um, for Ollie, it was, I, I was trying to create a character that was from the perspective of Merritt. Like, what can I do to teach Merritt a lesson from this historical scenario, which yeah. has become my sort of guiding force for, you know, the next one we do too is what can we learn? Hmm. Um, and so I was thinking, let's make a character that does not believe in Delta Green at all, does not agree with its principles, does not agree with secrets, does not agree with living his life thinking that everything is the status quo. And let's work from there. And then I was just thinking of like, just like Aaron was saying, like 80s tropes of the hard hitting reporter who takes shit from no one and may not be liked by the networks, but is, is loved by the city or loved by the people. And, and that was the heart of Ollie is how do I write a character that rubs everyone the wrong way but is trying to do the best he can in the situation he's in um and, and you, you know it was like weird nega merit in a mm. way and <laughs> i went from that point of view yeah i did something similar with rose i was like what can i do to just fuck tuck up as much as possible <laughs> exactly. i was like oh cool cool good like family stuff great uh, a person that she loves that may or may not survive. Cool. Right, right. And like, I just, I like threw a bunch of stuff in there. I was like, this is just, just, this is me hurting me in the future. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, a lot of it came from that situation between Merritt and Samael too, is you know, mm. how, how could I get Merritt to see Samael's side and come to understand how someone could be that way. And it's funny that while I thought Oliver might do that, it was Fluke's attention to Oliver that did that indirectly. <laughs> It was seeing through him to the Samael on the other side that was like, oh, holy shit, that, that's illuminating, you know. It was, yeah, that was such a great element. I mean, there's so many, so much of what makes, I think, our playthrough of Reverberations great and fun is because everyone had a hand in the narrative. It wasn't just me trying to be scary. Fluke was scary. It wasn't yeah. just me Amen. trying to draw drama and, and you know, the, the two of, uh, of Rose and Oliver were in love. You know, there was just, the, everyone brought an interesting amount of stakes to it that, that rounded it out to make it more of a narrative experience than just a playthrough. So I have one, a second, I have, my question is now knowing. You did. There you go. 
<laughs> there you go. Offense. So for my second question, now knowing what you know now, and Serge, I may, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm, I don't know if I want you to answer okay. after everyone or at the end. Now knowing what you now know, if you can change one thing you did during 1984, mm. oh. What would be the one thing you would change? And Serge, I'm kind of curious. And the reason why I want you to answer is whatever they say, how would you say, okay, if that's the case, then this would have okay. happened. Okay. So that's mm. where I'm going to go with. Um, fuck. What was the, what was the lady agent's name? Constance. Uh, Constance. Constance. I think I probably would have been a little bit nicer to Constance <laughs> because I think what really fucked everything up was Fluke coming and be like, I'm in charge. Fuck you, Constance. This is my operation. And if I could do it again, I would be just like a little bit nicer to her. So that you maybe would have gotten away with it. a lot more, that's for sure. Yeah. Just her, though. Just, <laughs> just, just her. her. Was it... Was... Tanika's code name Hi Sally. That was it. No, actually, no. you you interpreted that, Caleb. But Hi Sally oh. was a different NPC that you oh, never shit. came across. Wasn't wasn't really? she wasn't she the guy that, she was the guy that was the the oh frick what was his name the guy that ran the arcade that was his niece yeah. right yes yeah yeah oh, oh yes. okay so what I would have done is I would have investigated Hi Sally way earlier. I, I feel like I got so bogged down in trying to survive. I lost the thread of what was actually going to kill me. And if I could do it over again, I'd definitely do at least one more day of actual investigation. <laughs> she, she would have brought you yeah. closer to Tanyika sooner, for sure. Yeah, a day before, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. Which would have given us so much more time to process the hotel situation. Yeah. Because yeah. our understanding of that hotel situation, our plan... It's was none. not for anything that was going to happen up there. No. And Nothing. <laughs> no. Still no. worked out pretty well in narrative yeah, yeah. reasons, though. For you. Yeah. For me, yeah. For, the, for our listeners. Yeah, I mean, we three out of so two. That's, that's a 50% survival ratio. <laughs> And we got that fucking crystal out of our, uh, out yes, of the Lord of Thoughts hand. Did. So yes, we, we won. Did. We just won a little With less than losses. we could have. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, going against everything you just said, I would have challenged the little boy to a duck hunt competition. Oh. Probably would have ruined everything. Zakia, you have no fun. idea how powerful that could have been because maybe, yeah, e e Emmanuel might have let you get away with a lot more if you had beat him in duck hunt. No way! That was the secret. Oh, you just had to kick his stop. ass in video games. We were running out of time, and I wasn't sure. <laughs> like, I don't want him to just shoot me in the head if I'm like, "Hey, can we put?" And then that's it. So. Oh man, that would have yeah. been so much more ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> would have been a completely different ending. It's like the city of Detroit. Uh, yeah. I'll play you for it. Yeah. Allegra. From oh man, I think from Rose's perspective, I wouldn't have jumped out the window in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> but from my perspective as a player. Uh, I think I would have been a. I think I think I would have been a little bit more like. I think I would have tried to work with with Frog more if I could, because we we worked we we eventually got there, but it, it took a while, and I wish yeah. I wish I'd had I wish I'd like trusted her more quickly. The other two, I stand yeah. by my mistrust of them. Totally so, understandable. Fair. Totally yeah. fair. 
but frog but frog i think i think i would have wanted to work more like the second time we agreed to work with her that was when we got shot up in the diner which is right fucking nuts in consideration that was that was a fun stressful time though (laughs) in the moment i hated it afterwards i'm like that was fun you you know what that might actually be another one i would do if i didn't do heist alley it'd be take away any of the situations where I lost at least one HP because then I would have survived the fucking stairs. God damn it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, didn't you take a point of damage when someone punched you in the face? Yes. If I had never been punched by Echo, I'd be alive today. <laughs> or, or wow. Oh, wow. So in the end, Echo did kill him. That was one of yeah. your personal motivations. Go, so in the, yeah, no, in the end, I got everything I wanted. <laughs> it's yeah. really hard for me to find a, uh, find something that I would want to change outside of like booting you all out of my store to begin with and not getting yeah. involved at yeah. all. Poor Echo. Uh, <laughs> Echo was Poor Echo. I, I, Besides were... maybe selling my soul to the to the Lord of Thought, I I kind of got away with everything. Yeah. Mathis, that's yeah. a big... store. That was a big fear that of mine. I was going to lose my mm-hmm. store. Um, mm-hmm. That or one of the gangs was going to shoot me and kill me on Devil's Night. That was a thing. Or the cops. Yeah. That was like a, I had a list of people that I thought it was going to like get me <laughs> at Devil's shoot Night. Me today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I kind of yeah, regret I that I didn't end it where Echo's like kind of walking back to her shop, and then as she steps onto the sidewalk, a train just runs her over. Oh, <laughs> mean! It comes the back for her. <laughs> train. Rose would lost train. all sanity there. Rose would just like lost it, be been done. Like, <laughs> Zero well, sanity. Yeah. Bye. That's the end of it. Amanda. Did you say yours? Uh, oh, oh! I thought because I asked the question, I could dodge it. Oh um, come on! No, you said for everyone. <laughs> when has that ever been the case? I wished I heard it clearer that it was daytime instead of night, because then I wouldn't have worn that damn dress. <laughs> lovely dress how can you regret <laughs> that gift of the red dress true but I, I was like true that's uh, if that's my joke answer uh, but uh, probably would be i think uh it, there i can't remember exactly the moment but there was a moment that i decided to go with fluke instead of frog i think that would have been the moment where i would have been kind of i would have been more of a like i would have pulled frog aside and then got and I feel like there was like a, around that point yeah. where there was like when we were fracturing off, mm-hmm. I felt like if I would pivot and I chose frog instead of fluke, I'd been alive. <laughs> you would definitely <laughs> still have, still be living. Well, yeah. no, maybe I would have died because everyone in the hotel died. So I don't know. Uh, but like karma, though. Yeah. Maybe. But her karma yeah. would have been different if she'd gone with frog and not you. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I chose wrong. Although, I gotta say, me. from the beginning, Frost was kind of pro shooting us in the head. Yeah, I believe in I believe she was the one that brought it up. Like, what are we gonna do? You were the one that asked. You were the first one that asked. Wait, wait, wait. Because again, I'm thinking of like the young buck person. This is like oh. Men in Black, super secret, and you guys were a little too cavalier, like kind of taking it like. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So me trying to be like, so question. That's why I was like, so do we take out the friendly? So remember, first mission <laughs> with friendly. That's what I'm saying. Got she it. wasn't the smartest person. Got it. Right. So that that's why I asked that, that whole I was yeah. If I hadn't heard affair. that, things would have been so different. Because I, yeah. yeah. I snuck up and heard that. 
And if I had, yeah. and I went back and told Ollie, like, but if the that fact hadn't... that you came back really triggered me because I'm like, well, why are they being extra suspicious? And I could tell you were lying. So that's Just what I'm mess. talking about. It was that no communication, oh. and we both were presumptuous, and that's where shit went <laughs> south. It, it really mess. was crazy, like that role of Allegra. Of Rose, who didn't even have proficiency of any kind in stealth, no. rolling no, under no. the ten percent or something of doing <laughs> yeah. it, that was the the catalyst the for the catalyst. entire rest oh, of the uh, of the scenario. I want to say I'm sorry, but honestly, I'm not. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, it's okay. Your baby daddy died, so that's therefore. I know. <laughs> So there we go. Wow. There we go. Nice and easy. I can't even listen to songs. Thanks, guys. I died. Don't worry. I'm right here, guys. Well, I still love you. Oliver deserved it. I love y'all. Why did Oliver deserve it? He was good to all of you bitches. You were not good to me, sir. You were not good to me. We wrote that into our backstory, though. You and I are the only ones who have reason to hate each other. And even there, we were trying to love each other. Or at least I was. You were. It's I a one way. I was trying to fix it. I hated all of you. Amanda, are you yeah. out of questions? But you had me on your side, so. Yeah, I feel like yes, I, 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 I caused enough little chaos all with right. that question. Eli is next. Word. Uh, my first question is from Daffy from Instagram, and they said, what is everyone's favorite trait of their characters? Aaron? Now, oh. are we talking 1984 yep. characters? Mm -hmm. yep. Yes, yes, characters. yes, 1984. Oh boy, what yeah. is my favorite aspect of Fluke? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, Makeup ability. he's he's <laughs> persistent. He's persistent. Mm -hmm. He once he commits to doing something, he's he's committed. He's very driven. He's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I respect that. Otherwise, I I don't I don't know how much there is to commend. <laughs> And I, I think it's worth mentioning that I don't think Aaron and I did not talk about his character going crazy as the handler. I hoped he might. I gotta say that was not my intent at mm. all. It wasn't until that point where I where I was like, no, seriously, get in the fucking car. That that kind of flipped in my brain. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Honestly, like going back and listening to that first episode in 1984, I did not get that vibe from Aaron at all. I knew he was a hard ass, but he works yeah. for the, you know for dg so he's got to be mm -hmm. it wasn't until like you know we had that moment at the club and then the shooting of the drug dealer and oh everything post 7-eleven was fucking nuts <laughs> yeah yeah the i think i was texting somebody after the the moment at the club with the bouncer I was like, Fluke is like 200 years old and he's not human and he's trying to, like, he's like super sensitive about his age. That, yeah, that spun everything off. Who are you calling Pops? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Flynn Eastwood coming up to the exact club there. Allegra? Uh, I, my favorite trait of my character, I, I like, I like that Rose tried to see the good in everyone. Like, even Tanika. I like I don't know. I think I think in I think in this game it's really it can be really easy to to go with the like everything's evil and everyone's bad and everything's just going to be terrible. And so I really liked trying to play the okay, well like maybe even this ghoul has some like good in her 
and then like like uh, I listened back to the the stairwell talk, and I was like, oh, I I kind of like I could see I could see where like Tanika's loneliness and Tanika's this and like everything that like led her to this would be the reason she's like she is. So I think that was that was something I was proud of for Rose was that she tried to see the good in everything, even though except for Fluke, she he was gonna kill her, and so mm. she was like, fuck that. Mm. Yeah, I loved Rose for the single fact that that moment where she kind of breaks down after escaping, she slips out, kind of busts her rib, sneaks back to uh, Echo's place, and then just breaks down. I-, I thought was wonderful because you so rarely kind of get to see that in Delta Green. Maybe you'll see it in the occasional Call of Cthulhu game, but, you know, it, it takes a wonderful role player like Allegra to just finally, like, finally show that anybody dealing with this any normal person would have a breakdown would be like this is so crazy like there's a reason why people don't experience these high velocity high intense situations every day because they they would lose it and and it was refreshing to uh you know uh, watch you do that that was just me panicking (laughs) (laughs) amanda uh I I would say I I respect and admire uh, Frost's ability to just kind of just say fuck it and just do it, <laughs> like really be like okay I'm gonna do this like and stupid as it is, she's like no I'm gonna do it and she'll do it for better or worse she will mm-hmm. so that's I will I admire that I wish she thought a little bit better clearer. Put logic involved but other than that uh, i do admire the she definitely goes with her gut and her guns very much so caleb and she was jealous of like the other people because she could tell like they had a connection she's like i'm not involved um for ollie i mean i think i admire most his authenticity in that in, in my day-to-day life, I am a person who very easily will not speak up when I see something wrong or or not share my full opinion because I don't want to hurt the person on the other side or whatever it might be. When it came to Ollie, like, I love that I had the ability to say exactly what I was thinking and really fight for that. Um, and there's a strength in, in knowing that you're right and fighting for the ability to be right. And, you know, that's, if I could take anything and put that in my real life, it'd totally be that Ollie never gave a shit about anyone who was wrong. (laughs) If you were saying the wrong thing, he was the first to tell you you were wrong. And that's why you fell down those stairs. (laughs) (laughs) I did feel bad that you were the first to go, correct? You were the first, or was that Aaron? No. I'm pretty sure I was the first. And the problem was is that I was so shocked by the death, too, is I didn't even describe it very well. I was like, yeah, you fall down stairs. Next in the initiative. (laughs) I didn't even say, you know, Oliver falls and his head cracks open and his eye, you know, blood runs out. I didn't just say anything. Yeah. I was kind of in denial myself. Yeah, I didn't really even know because I had when I told you the original HP that I dropped, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm still good. I've got one. And then I realized I'm looking at the wrong fucking sheet. And so oh. it took me half a second to come back to you and go, wait, no, fuck. No, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm gone. Oh, wow. Uh, it, it was uh, just as much of a surprise for me. <laughs> Terrible. Do you lie? Um, 
I think uh, the one trait that I liked about Echo was that she stuck by the things that she found important and sought to complete that. Like, she didn't give a fuck about Delta Green. She didn't give a fuck about the network or what their influence on Detroit. To her, it was just another gang coming in to claim their stakes, make their money off the city and stuff. Um, but the only thing she cared about was finding Luca because Luca's her family and that's all that matters for her. She's one of, He's one of the few people that she genuinely actually cares about and wanted to find him, make sure that he was safe and do something um, for him. Um, and I think that's kind of like why I think she doesn't like Oliver because like Oliver does try with the best intentions to do good by the city. But he, f- I feel, Echo feels at least, that he leaves behind the city in the stakes of like trying to reveal truth to it like you can't accept the fact that if detroit wanted to make that change it would no matter how much you want to put the truth in front of their faces this is just the way it is and echo accepts that and then tries to work within those means to solve it i i always viewed us as sort of like two very (laughs) weird different sides of the coin on truth where yeah. Ollie always came at it from this systemic point of view of like, well, if everyone knew what was happening, they'd change it. We have, have to believe the world would be good and the systems would change. Whereas Echo has grown up in a situation where there's no guarantee ever that anyone's going to want to change something just because we know it's it's bad. Um, yeah. and, and that duality, I think, is definitely their biggest split outside of the shit that happened in their past. But mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. They're they're yeah. totally opposed in that respect. The, the relationship that Caleb, excuse me, the relationship that Oliver and Rose had with Echo was just so interesting because obviously they were the ones on the outside of the operation. They were the friendlies, but they kind of didn't even... At least on Echo's part, didn't really even like them, and there was an obvious um, uh, there was an obvious privilege that Oliver had that Echo did not necessarily have. You know, Oliver and Rose could have a nice, quiet Sunday night while Echo's shop is getting shot up by the the agents. You know, <laughs> yeah. there was this yeah. without even meaning to manufacture it. There was this kind of natural um, reveal. That people have different, you know, d- different people of different strata have different levels of experience in, in a in a city like Detroit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was I really interesting. In, I wrote into Ollie's backstory that he was like in the the Virginia riots in 1960. I don't know. Uh, I'll get back to you. I'll have to look at my bio. But in Detroit, <laughs> but that's where you got your scar from. You had like a little scar or something, right? Yeah, exactly. He's got a scar across his lip because he was this white guy there covering a riot that had nothing to do with him. And, you know, he got a shit rocked because he thought that he was the one fighting. And that story is is something he tries to battle with the entire time over. You're totally right. He's a privileged son of a bitch that is trying to break out of it as best as he can in 1984 and is completely oblivious to the things he can't grasp yet. Um, It was definitely a story of how do I write someone who is trying to do the best but is unlearning all of those things that he he barely has uh, a grasp on. Sure. Did everyone answer? Zakia. Oh, um, what was the question? (laughs) What is your favorite trait of your character? Right. Okay. Um, I think Frog is, despite the way some things played out, very resourceful. Uh, I think the only reason why she's in Delta Green in the first place is because she thought that 
being with them would help her accomplish more in Detroit. So that was just a tool. I'm thinking like in in the club when she tried to like hang and smoke weed, <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a tool for her mm-hmm. to accomplish what she wanted to do, despite how, how badly it went. Um, oh. It was a great scene. I love that scene. I was so surprised you you were going to smoke when I handed it to you. I was trying to oust you as like (laughs) a narc. That's the thing is there was that going and she was like, I have to accomplish this mission for one. But this is the one thing that's getting in the way. Like the DEA agent will smoke. That's fine. We'll get through it. Um, Yeah, I think that's it. I also, I don't know what the word is for the moment she just stopped having patience and just like was rude to fluke in the car. So good. <laughs> Whatever that is, that's another thing. I was yeah. here for it. I love that snap of just yep. like no longer tolerating yep. his yep. bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Any other questions, Eli? Uh, yeah, I have a question for the F cell agents. So the the first time you showed up at Echo's uh, shop trying to get information, knowing the, the residual consequences after that, would you guys have changed anything in that situation to maybe have gotten Echo on board yeah. <laughs> to help you guys out? Yeah, I would have just sent Rose in. What do you think? I would have just sent Rose in. Yes. <laughs> I knew we were going to meet at some point and the fact that I had already, maybe I wasn't the one that arrested you, but we had already had a sort of law enforcement themed conversation. We already weren't friends. So it's like- Profound, profound snitch, I believe is what you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you did, you called (laughs) Yeah. Frog had a couple of great lines for sure. Yeah. I know that you speak for the tree. Great conversations. Yeah. Get on your carpet and fly away. I think there's something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So good. Aaron, what do you think would have changed with just Rose going in? I'm curious. Uh, I think Echo would have been a lot more cooperative. They would have not had as big of a picture because I think she just could immediately tell there was something up. Yeah. Right. I mean, you had you had this prostitute walk in, <laughs> seeming prostitute walk in, sex worker. and then uh, sorry, sex worker, and uh, <laughs> uh, you have. This guy that she hates walks in, and the only redeeming factor out of all of that was this person that she kind of likes was like also happened to be there. Yeah. So yeah. if 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 I if I could do that again, I mean you're gonna take out both of the negative aspects, and yeah, yeah. just have sent Rose. I feel like Rose would have told her anyways. Yeah. I mean, it's like a, a drug themed case, like we would have like hinted at one of us at some point, even if Rose was the only point of contact. If I mean, Rose like... had been the only point of contact, it would have been real awkward. She would have just been <laughs> babbling for probably like five minutes and that could have been like, what the fuck are you saying? I, I would have also... probably lied to Lo- Rose and then moved on with my day mm. if Rose I... only went in. Also valid. <laughs> Put in Knowing Sergio, he too. would not have allowed you to just get away <laughs> like that. He'd be like, okay, okay. Oh, hell yeah. I would have, I was going to run at some point. I was getting to the point where I was like, fuck this shit. I got narcs up in my shop and there's probably cops somewhere. And I'm already got some heat with the po- uh, with the police and with uh, my own situation. Yeah, fuck this. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I would have ran. 
That's why I lied and told you guys to go to the uh, Studio Overland, like, first and foremost, trying to get you guys away from my shop in the event that I needed to dip somewhere else. Well, thank God. You you were the one that came up with the concept of uh, your cousin, Luca. You were trying to find your cousin. It, it, it helped yeah. keep Echo around. Yeah, yeah that was the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, that would have been a short game for Eli. For sure. I know. <laughs> yeah. Eli would have been Deborah Constance. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, Poor Debbie. And passed around the whole, the whole <laughs> scenario. Would have done a way better Debbie than I did. No. <laughs> you were great, Deborah Constance. You just sort of fucked us when we had to get in. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know my character. It's not your fault. No. But I did use her. I was just like, I think I texted Serge. I'm like, hey, I think I can bring Frost back because I didn't want it because I didn't feel like I did go with Deborah. So I was just like, well, there is another person who wasn't spotted. Hey, it worked perfectly. Wink, wink. I just wanted, I just wanted to see you that? play both characters at the same time. Oh, That's no. a little too. I mean, that whole sequence at the second to last episode just worked perfectly where I was like, all right, we, we need a suicide squad. Who can we call? Uh, two people that we don't mind if they die. They <laughs> are not. It, I mean, it did work out that way. Yeah. All right. So, Eli, is that all your questions? Uh, one more question. Oh, um, so, since I'm very new to tabletop role playing, I personally have never experienced a character death. For those who died, what was your reaction with your character death? How did you guys deal with it afterwards? Um, oh God. I mean, for me, it kind of, I was just like, whoa, that happened so fast. fast. Yeah. Not that I was too, like, like in love with the guy, but it was just like so sudden. I'm like, whoa, what? He just got crunched and he's dead. Oh, what? Okay, that happened. Wow. I, I thought that'd take a little bit longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it was way different than when Merritt died on the, the plane a couple episodes later um, in that. With Ollie, I was aware this fucker was going to die. <laughs> like a little before the Preda. I was like, there's just no way. It's going to be Fluke. It's going to be the Preda. It's going to be uh, this Tanika person. Whoever it's going to be, there's no fucking way this guy's existing. So I had the ability to sort of enter the mourning process really early. And then when he went insane, I was like, well, I'm never getting him back the, the way I had him before Devil's Night anyways. So if he does go out, I want him to go out Blaze of Glory. And I got that, thankfully. I got the crystal. I yeah, absolutely. Down. Yeah. It, it was the circumstance that fucked me the most. It was the fact <laughs> that I was sitting there going, stairs. <laughs> my boy died to stairs. And, and that, I think, is inherently what makes tabletop a whole lot different than, you know, like traditional media, like uh, writing books and movies and all that. In, in, you know, I don't know, in Star Wars, no one ever dies to stairs. Like, you get to see the resolution. Like, I mean, they're going that. to die. There's going in to be some a heroic small... way or. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to mean something. And you know what? I got like nine tenths of that. It's just, you know, he dies in a blaze of glory with the crystal in his hand. And the culprit is getting fucked up on some stairs. Um, <laughs> no. But you know what? That. It's what I love about Delta Green is in that moment, it felt really real. Like, yeah, you, sometimes you just fucking go. And it was a miracle I lasted this long. Yeah, I mean, and if it makes I, you I feel it. any better, it was technically Emmanuel who shoved you down the stairs. You know, it was a yeah. malicious act that this man performed. He didn't just turn into something and bite you or something like a oh, fluke. Yeah. But oh, totally. Yeah. Nonetheless, he still died by his hands. Yeah. 
Frost? Uh, Frost died like a I, badass. Yeah, yeah, she did. Yeah. I can't complain on that. At least I got, you got to fly. <laughs> I, got, oh, dude, I flew and did not land. Uh, let's yeah. just say, I honestly, I just wanted her to like in her mind because it, it was a suicide squad i just wanted frost to be like she wasn't like a psycho yeah. she really was she just unfortunately made some wrong calls that i kind of wanted her to be like no she just made a mistake or she yeah. made some grave ones and she's accepting that and i kind of wanted her to like have a redemption so i the fact that that did work out yeah i was happy and it believe it or not like getting warp out or at least being one of the last ones to like cause like i think distraction at one point yeah, just yeah. just to yeah. do that because i was just like yeah no that's how she and the way it turned out is like yeah I, I, i'm happy with that i think honest. frost was one of the only folks that actually did damage to emmanuel because you had that yeah. machine gun that had a lethality rating yeah yes it was the only way to actually damage well, him. didn't something happen with like i touched oh yeah you, you were definitely like burning him too with the with burning the so i got i got that yeah. in yeah I just did it at the wrong time. I didn't time it right with the buildings. And the, um, missed. the, what was the name of the symbol? Uh, the, Elder the Elder Sign. Sign. Oh, the Elder Sign. Yeah. Uh, the Elder Sign was also not in Reverberations, but I, I asked mm. that Fluke know it because I, I knew that it needed to be introduced. I needed to introduce the fact that sometimes agents hang on to certain things they shouldn't for their own protection. Mm. That's one. I think Amanda has died in games we've all played together more than anyone else. <laughs> I did. So I, I died. Just, I just did that math in my head because she died no. when she was the was the wizard, the wizard. Mm. like our very 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 first game way back when, yeah, and then she died when we did the first Delta Green like practice game that we ever yeah, played right. from the nineties. That's right. <laughs> and now Frost, I think yeah. I think Caleb's close second, but you're. I trail by one because <laughs> yeah. I didn't die during the claimers. You know what? Me and Amanda like died. You guys had each other a lot holding too. Holding each other. We did die together. On Thanksgiving, yeah. Yes, we did. We died in a fiery blaze together. That's right, that's right. Oh, wow. That was a good game. That was fun. We we make a lot of decisions together, Amanda, that are just like that trailer park too, where we're just like, fuck it, nobody else? Okay. Damn, let's do it. Do do <laughs> and it always ends up killing us. It's... <laughs> oh, yeah. So far. Damn it. Yeah, I make choices that that, that that should tell me a lot about my life right there. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. really be smarter with choices. All right, so let's move on. I believe Aaron has the next round of questions. Yes. This first question comes from Chief McLean oh. from Patreon. Hello, patrons. <laughs> Chief McLean asks, what are your likes and dislikes about the Delta Green system slash setting? Great question. I have a couple off the top of my head that I know. Uh, I really, I like, I, it, this is like a, this is like a double because I like it and I also don't like it. Because you know how in D&D &D you get like death saves and there's like a chance you won't die. And then in this, it's gone. And I, yeah. I like that and I don't like that because it's like, yeah, sometimes you get shot in the fucking face and you, you're gonna die. But also, I want a chance to save people. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I like that. And I also, I like the... It's just so, like... Like, the like the consequences feel a lot more real than, like, stuff like D&D. &D. Like, and I love D&D. I love yeah, but like, I think we all do. Yeah, but, like, the... the 
the consequences sometimes seem a little bit more removed, especially because of like the setting is like not our normal setting. Like I can't always imagine like I'm walking through a forest to fight some fucking displacer beasts or whatever. Yeah. Whereas this, it's like okay, well you're you're in a high rise building downtown and you're fighting off. I mean the demons part of it doesn't really work, but you know. I don't know. That's those are my those are my big ones. Well, you're touching on the difference between D and D and Delta Green, which is D and D is a hero fantasy. You are a unstoppable yeah. person who is destined to save the world. And in Delta Green, the best you can hope for is that you're a character that at least gets the job done because you're probably yeah. going to die or go crazy. It's just a different mm -hmm. kind of narrative. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's anything more dangerous than playing D and D and then immediately playing Delta Green afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Your brain yes. does not understand consequences, reality, <laughs> physics, any of that. Yeah. It's just like, you've got to revivify, everything will be okay. Yeah. I, I think that's what I like about it, though, is when you're playing horror as a genre in tabletop, j just like in Call of Cthulhu, the most important thing is that when you sit at the table, you do not feel big. You feel small and confused and unaware, and I think that's what it does the best. I think it gives you a really good opportunity to be both good at the game and good at the problem solving that goes with the game because you know we were just playing in that game yesterday and i found myself thinking like okay my character's really good at this but what am i going to solve myself on the outside mm -hmm. to support him in getting this done and and i i think i find a lot of joy in us actually cracking things and and finding the answer to the puzzle before we get there so that our characters are more informed. On the difficulties I have sometimes is, I mean, I'm with Allegra, there's a little to none uh, when it comes to wiggle room. Sometimes you really want something to happen. And for me, I'm, I'm a very narrative player. I love when a story comes to a good conclusion. I love when we get a great beat. I love when, you know, it fits right in my mind and how I, how I picture it in my mind, right? And so for me, when that role that I'm picturing in my mind perfectly does not go my way, and I'm sitting there thinking like, well, how do I make it? How do I do it? <laughs> and at that point, I'm like, I don't. I die. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've experienced that, that frustration before too. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to add on to the how unforgiving it is both sides. It's like, I, I do like how... You really, it, 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 the first, I think, time we were really playing it, it's like, I remember when you did that whole thing in the whole house and everyone just went pop, 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 pop real quick. And everyone's like, what the fuck is happening? What's happening? Yeah. This is too much too fast. And then when we played it again, it's like, I remember us playing it more cautiously. Way slower. And I remember we were being cautious and we weren't yeah. being a bunch of himbos doing stupid <laughs> shit. And we were like, we're going to investigate. And again, like Caleb, you and I both died. Yeah. And other people, you're just like, whoa. So even this time going in, yeah. it was like, okay, we're going to play it, right? But no, because you're still in the moment. And then sometimes you just like, no, honestly, I would do this. And then you're like, oh, these consequences, they're like, Oh, it's not like a paper cut, or I could be like, yeah. oh, I just stubbed my toe. No, you, okay, you stubbed your toe, but you broke your big toe, and now mm. you can't really walk, and now because you can't walk as well, you're going to fall down the stairs or something. Yeah. Like, there are real long consequences with that. And you hit on a, I love that. Oh, go ahead. You you hit on a really good point, too, I think, in the, in the positive category, and that's the pacing, where it can go really mm -hmm. slow for the first hour or two hours, but when it pops off... 
all of us are dead in the next five minutes and there's yeah. one of us left and like yeah. i i enjoy that spontaneity of the story that at any moment it could pop off and I think we can recognize, even though you want your characters to live as long as it can, narratively, we're producing a show. It's, yeah. a, it's amazing for a show because, you know, there's real consequences and it's, you know, you're going to have character death and it's, it, just, it just adds a lot more to the product that we're trying to produce, you know, as opposed to just, you know, four, you know, six characters that just never die. Mm -hmm. What I love what you do, Sergio, is the fact that we, in this series, we're allowed to kind of play multiple characters and we go back. But I'm like very protective of the 2020 crew. And I'm <laughs> yep. like, I like them. I like them. But like all the other stuff we can, not that, it's just that's where it's like, wow, I get very protective of like the 2020 because they're just right down just doing a research mission. They're not yeah. doing anything. They're just collecting all the stuff. But right. I like that idea that we can, I don't have to always worry too much in 2020 compared to when we start flashbacking. We're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Anyone else? I really like the bond system. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just yeah. like this fact the fact that, you know, your mental health and, you know, the way that you take care of yourself in your work life can cascade and affect the people around you as well. Um, I think that's one of the more real aspects of the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eli, anything? Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I I like the game system overall. There's nothing really I have complaint wise. I do I do like the percentile uh, mechanic and stuff like that. I I do like chance and fate a little bit. I think that really helps. Uh, shape narrative a lot better yeah and for improv yeah um yeah yeah mm -hmm. it's it it takes a little bit to wrap your head around it after you spend a lot of time doing the d20 system but um i from the the handler perspective i like delta green because it's a lot more streamlined than call of cthulhu there isn't a luck system there isn't a the, the lethality system is a little bit more of a streamlined version of the way Call of Cthulhu does it. Yeah. Um, and, and I and I like that Delta Green tricks the player into thinking, oh, maybe I have a chance because I'm playing a very skilled F FBI or army or, you know, medical expert or something like that. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that happened in 1984 is that Frost and Fluke were able to get, like, powerful sniper rifles and, and bigger caliber weapons. And I, I, I had no problem with them getting it because I knew in the end it wasn't going to serve them any good. Uh, no. So it, it, it's a, it, it, it's just, I, I guess the other thing I would add is that the, the lore behind Delta Green is so interesting and that's kind of the, yeah. the impetus for this whole campaign is to try to highlight that a little bit more and, and show it off. Zaki, you got anything? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I like, this goes for 2020 crew and 84 crew, I guess, but having that concept of like escapism or like becoming a hero or becoming this impossible person while being someone that would like exist in the real world, mm -hmm. like trying to negotiate something that still lets me live a fantasy, but a character that still has flaws and is either perennial or, um, I forgot her name. It, Devil's F -cell. Night people. Elfs, yeah. F-Cell. It's, it's weird. And I think the only reason why it works is because these people are like incredible soldiers or incredibly like medically gifted people. And that's like, maybe that's the only reason why it works. But then you get friendlies that just like know how to use a camera and a microphone and are nosy. And that's what makes them 
impossible people. So yeah, I like having access to real history and being able to inject that quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. And there's something kind of uh, 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 there's something kind of refreshing just being able to play like a an average Joe. You don't necessarily have to put on like a voice, or you don't necessarily have to like you know think what what would I be like if I was a a, a six seven foot tiefling warrior. You know what I mean? You can just kind of be a person, and it it has an interesting effect on I think the role play. Yeah. All right. Any more? So uh, go ahead. Eric. I have I have but one question. And somehow it's a moderately serious one. <laughs> and it's how do you think the information or the, the 1984 scenario, how do you think it affected or impacted your 2020 agents? Did they learn anything from it? Did they like get any new like concerns raised? Do they have like decreased hope for like their own prospects etc 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 for Hyde I think 1984 reaffirmed some of the things she already knows about Delta Green um, to know that it was an expectation to clean up for the sake of getting information and the willingness for agents to to do that without question definitely affirms that that's just a culture within Delta green and it doesn't matter who you are, what you are, you know, if they don't think you're valuable, you don't have any stakes to offer them, then you're indisposable. Um, And it it goes along with like things that goes on in her past and what she's had to deal with in terms of the program. And it, it just fuels the constant distrust she keeps and maintains with Delta green. Who's next? Well, don't everybody speak. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm thinking. Yeah, I I think um, Warp didn't learn a whole lot from Frog, other than Frog confirmed a lot of the things she already success- like suspected. Was that there isn't really a way to win Delta Green? Yeah. <laughs> no matter where you come from, like it's gonna be terrible. Yeah. Um, but. At the same time, I think I wanted Frog to be a little bit more like big, um, bigger than Warp. And I think maybe that helped. I think the, the mo- most thing that she learned is that Frog survived and that's really good. So whatever she did trying to like keep things together worked enough. Frog had a lot more sanity though. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> different different childhood I will say after reading like that 1984 file boomer it just solidified I need to get the fuck out yeah it just yeah. It, 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 it triggered a lot of fear it just like it confirmed it will she knew it but she's like I gotta get the fuck out Butterfly, let's go to give anything for Samael it was like I wouldn't say he necessarily learned anything from it other than how to maybe repeat some of the same mistakes. And he was like, hypergeometry, magic, can I learn how to do that? And, <laughs> and, and then, you know, I think he, he was very attracted to, to some of the information that, that Luke had. So, so if anything, I think it probably led Sam L down a darker path. 
Oh great. my God. Good to hear. Good to hear. <laughs> that. That's great. So Makes good. us all so feel good. so much cool. better. Yeah. <laughs> good to know he's growing. <laughs> um, I think for Merritt, you know, I mean, I remember in college, in theater classes, we'd go through these big, huge exercises. And then immediately after, you're like crying and breaking down from this huge emotional thing you did and that's when they go into the next lecture right that's exactly when they'd hit you with a theory and you soaked it in better because you were you were in the thralls of this situation you just put yourself through i think Merritt was in the same same perspective when we went into 1984 he had just killed his first bout of innocence Uh, i mean he had just gone through everything at the trailer and he's trying to decompress that and then immediately he's fed into this story of what you can become, you know, Merritt was operating a lot from not DG being, you know, a, a, a bunch of heroes or anything like that, but it, it absolutely is. He comes from the FBI. This is an institution where he thought he was here to do good. And he read a story where everyone who looked like him, everyone that would have been him did the wrong thing, you know, and, and ruined the hope of these people behind the real people that Merritt thinks he's protecting in doing so. And so I think it broke him. I, I think he's cracked. I think it's the first time he's ever doubted first, his real profession uh, as an FBI agent. And then second, his, his involvement with Delta green. Uh, I mean, he's starting to doubt for the first time because in his mind, he cannot conceive how he could be fluke. And he's doing everything possible right now while breaking down the barriers he's already got up to prevent that from happening. Um, I think I think anything that Tuck might have learned from it got completely shattered by the fact that the... Um, the Lord of Thought came up. Well, mm. specifically the Dark Man. Yeah, mm. he. But they're the same thing, right? No. Oh, they're not. Oh fuck! Somebody I've been write that down. But maybe maybe Tuck yeah. thinks that. But maybe Tuck Somebody thinks that. Somebody write that down. Well, yeah, but like the the whole like, the sure. that whole like the Dark Man comes up and like that's that's a that's a that's a connection to something that happened to her years and years and years ago, and it's. I think I think finding that connection has kind of set her off down a down a whole rabbit hole that she thought she'd like filled and put cement in and like that that she worked really hard to pull herself out of and then hearing like the dark man and like the lord of thought and all that is just kind of like suctioning all that dirt out of the rabbit hole and being mm-hmm. like look look it's right there you can go get it just jump on down so I think I think there's going to be a whole lot, at least in the coming in the coming episodes and coming sessions, it's going to be a lot of like Tuck trying to find balance in that, and like maybe she'll try to talk to you know you know maybe she'll try and find the people that were there and like talk to him and she can always ask Agent Halo what the story is. Yeah, thank yeah. you for that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll we'll get into who Agent we'll Halo was next. and the connection. Yeah, the damn yeah time. yeah. Who else did anyone not go? I think that was. Yeah, I think that's it. Sergio, you didn't go. Well, uh, uh, 
So if you could tell us how you felt after 1984 and your agent, what did your agent learn? Oh yeah, what did Agent Mallory Well, learn? you know, it was more like I was, I was thinking, what can I make sure to teach or get across to you, the players? Because again, a big premise of our, of our campaign is you guys are kind of unearthing the, the bigger meta narrative of, of the program and Delta Green and stuff. So, you know, I wanted to get across that Delta Green wasn't exactly uh, 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 formulated in the same way. You know, it, it was kind of uncommon in the 80s for there to be six agents together. Uh, they, they were uh, a little bit more of a clandestine illegal operation. They didn't have quite the power they had now. I wanted to get across that there was this hypergeometry and that, in fact, agents would occasionally utilize it for themselves. Uh, at, at a cost I wanted to get across that there were enemies that were not just blood sucking monsters but just other humans who were taking advantage of this uh, these tomes and these old relics and things that had that had uh, power in them um, I wanted to get across uh, that the relationships were complicated you know making Tanika a ghoul that was in some way connected to the fate that was in some way connected to Delta Green you know just showing that there were many threads that you were just beginning to become aware of was kind of important to me yeah write that down like <laughs> write down that. that hold on <laughs> look this is why I sit in front of my in front of my things where all my where all my notes are they can't not write it down all right so Zakia, I think you're is... <laughs> the next with the question <laughs> Oh, yes. Okay. Um, I also have two questions. Uh, the first one is based on this mission and how it went, how do you, the players, think you're going to approach character creation or like mission execution for our next, um, our next scenario? What are you going to take with you as you Honestly, prepare for the next one? This is going to sound weird for me. But I want to play, like, a completely, like, neutral friendly that'll just do, like, whatever somebody else says. Like... Oh. oh. <laughs> that'll be different, Aaron. Yeah. That would be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I think opposite that, cool, I've been cool. thinking the exact opposite that is, I want to play someone completely off the fucking rails. Because I, I haven't done that yet, and I want to. <laughs> so, Aaron, Aaron, you and I hey, are just going to switch. Switch. Nice. Great. I was gonna say chaotic suggestion. You guys write there each other's characters. That doesn't have to happen. That might that but... might be pretty cool. That'd be kind of fun, actually. <laughs> well, I know that after this last scenario, me and Eli made a pact that we're gonna be spooky bitches next time. Spooky bitches. <laughs> That's right. Spooky so bitches. definitely look out for some unnatural score. But... I need a spell. I need something. Yeah. I need to. Oh. I need to climb up walls. I need to. I don't know. I just want to be like you know. I want the warp effect. If everyone's like, "What the fuck is their deal?" Like, I feel like I always play characters that are like, "Here I am, bitches. This is everything about me." Um, you you so express your feelings. I'm gonna yeah. play someone with look at the dog. Mm. Look at the dog. But... I Hello. see it not perfect. Oh, no. She's there. Um, <laughs> everyone does. Look, she's so blind you can see the whites in her. Uh, oh poor, no, poor girl. she's so good. Um, and then finally, just like I was saying earlier, like I'm gonna try and make someone that can be a lesson for a perennial that afterwards I can look at, especially because I'm working with Merritt, who is in desperate need of redemption. If he's ever gonna get there, he needs some positive role models. 
So hopefully that's the goal. Amanda? Wait, I feel bad because I'm always like, so what is everyone picking? Okay, which spot hasn't been filled in? And I just usually kind of do something there. Oh, that's but... okay. I mean, you know, that's a, a player role that you that you fulfill. I, I do that a lot too, where I'm like, all right, what's everyone else doing? Okay, I'll do this. Yeah, um... and it doesn't have to be a character aspect. It could just be like, maybe this time I'm not going to shoot anyone. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know what? You're trying to say something there, Zaki? <laughs> <laughs> maybe just next thinking... time we'll like each other. <laughs> Maybe all of us. We'll be friends. I, I, oh, but I go out of my way to find dislikes in people. Have I played <laughs> anyone like? Have I played anyone like nice and lovely and just like? Mm. <laughs> well, to... you, I don't know. Not on a podcast. Yeah. Not on I think maybe uh, I I would like to play like like a friendly that is just like kind of very in over their head type scenario. Mm. I think the one thing I did regret, I, I realized because I think we needed Asian was I, an 84 was thinking about being a firefighter as a backup. So Ooh, I kind of, I kind of like the idea of possibly playing like someone who almost like idolizes like Superman or like that white knight syndrome and just wanting to be like the most girl scout of the girl scouts won't cuss which will be a challenge for me but like <laughs> I, I think i want to try to emulate like a good old-fashioned captain america type yes. thing or just like really gung-ho about something but maybe in over their head well yeah, if so. uh, the character that frost played tiffany was any indication i think it'll be a lot of fun <laughs> oh just tiffany. Oh, I, I, get, I, I i'll bring t that's right we're gonna make just a bring tiffany Oh my god. Anyone Thank else? You. Did anyone else talk about? <laughs> Eli. Yeah, that's it. Okay, cool. Did, um, did Eli go? What? Oh, did Eli go? Yeah, yeah. Eli went first. Oh, sorry. My brain's Swiss cheese. <laughs> um, let's see. The second question is what 80s item, behavior, or concept did you use to attach yourself to the time period? Was there a book, movie? character how did you guys get into 84 yeah. mm. i mean fluke well here's the thing fluke was an old man like i feel like he was not you know he wasn't super like up on his shit he wasn't know? meant to be a hip 84 no yeah <laughs> i think i did something similar with rose of like she's kind of like an i hate this phrase but she's an old soul and like, but like all her music, like Echo was literally the only reason she listened to popular music is because she'd go to Echo and be like, what the fuck do I listen to? And Echo would be like, here's this, here's this, here's, you know, fucking Janet Jackson. Because everything else she listened to was like 50s, 60s, hmm. 40s even. So she, so that was kind of what I went for is just like little nerd who doesn't, who doesn't know like where her time, like where she is in time entirely. I guess the closest thing I did was her her big old purple chunky sweater with the weird designs on it. That was, I think, the the main thing I did. Um, I watched a lot of young Alec Baldwin films. <laughs> uh, I listened to Bob Seger a whole bunch and Tom Waits. Um, I tried wearing a, a single earring. Uh, that was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I bought a Detroit oh, Tigers t-shirt. Nice. Um, you know, I, I was just trying to think of like, what is this dude who will eventually be the daddest of dads? 
walk around like so i tried i tried to pursue Except that as not. much as i could would have been the key that sucks felt that yeah. bad energy he would have been a killer dad, dad. Energy. he would have been old hippie dad mm-hmm. for sure but such is life i was really like 80s movies so i was like yeah. I, even though it might not have been in 1984 to me i didn't to me it was just like that time period of like robocop terminator uh scarface lost boys was a big inspiration for me mm-hmm. honestly lost boys and lost boys. goonies uh like michael Dra- jackson's thriller like yes. kind of that 80s like kind of rock thing that's really heavily influenced well, the and then valley all- girl for tiffany uh-huh <laughs> a lot of that stuff did come out in 84 terminator came out in 84 and so did uh you mentioned oh i think thriller came out in 84 so yeah yeah, I think that was around. Like, just came out when we were like, what would have just come out mm-hmm. when we were mm-hmm. existing. Mm-hmm. So. Was that you a- learn? <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> this is a- so. I've kind of haven't really liked the '80s in terms of aesthetic for a-, a while, simply because in high school I played in a Shakespearean play called "Much About Much to Do About Nothing." And oh, I played no. the I played the bard, and we did we did the bad eighties. <laughs> Why and... did they set you in the eighties for Much Ado? Good God! Because, yep, we were, yep, because yep. we were doing Fame for the musical, I... so they tied it into it. I'm so and, sorry. Yeah, they dressed <laughs> me up as Boy George, and it was terrible, and I had a very sad time about it. So when we had to go back to the eighties, I was like, okay, I need to find a way to be as cool as possible. Yep. So yeah. I found like cool, like the coolest elements of the '80s, and and brought a little bit of like the the rising like punk scene into like grunge in later parts of the '80s, and and that kind of aesthetic. Yeah, I, I like that. Echoed like the uh, yeah. the punk scene when you guys went to that that uh, rock yeah. club. You yeah. Were, yeah, I'm into it. Oh, yeah. Eli, please <laughs> tell me that there are pictures. You will Please. never find those pictures, Aaron Apex. If anyone can find them, it's me. That's Aaron true. Aaron Apex, if you find those photos, I you will share find them with you. everyone. <laughs> Who dressed you as Boy George? I walked away and came back. I oh, yeah. Oh, oh, it's Peter Hart. Don't worry. It oh. will. That's All right. Oh, oh, really quick before we move on, I wanted to give a shout out. The, the Detroit Historical Society has. That was so important while I was trying to figure out what frog was but there's a the police department had a band called the blue pigs and I just encourage everyone to investigate I forgot you sent us that That my favorite Mm -hmm. so important Mm -hmm. they obviously they weren't in the scenario they were busy (laughs) bless them but The, the, the Detroit Historical Society had a lot of cool stuff that I pulled from, too. Uh, there was a mention when Oliver and Rose were hanging out reading the newspaper. I said I, I said that there was a transcript of what the mayor, Mayor Coleman Young, had said. And there was, in fact, oh, yeah. in the Detroit archives, a, a, a video of Detroit... Uh, of Mayor Coleman Young being like, all right, this is what we're doing on Devil's Night. We're going to be hard. You know, he, he was really... Um, it, it was interesting to see. There was a lot of cool footage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, those are all my questions. So, leg. Cool. Uh, take it from here. Let me see. Well, actually, my first question's for you because we talked about this a few weeks ago, uh, and you told me all of these fantastic, incredible little secrets that you put into the, uh, oh. the art. 
if you put into the art of the of the Devil's Night VHS thing, mm. and I swear to God, I spent like yes. five or ten minutes sitting in my car looking at it and like looking at what you told me and look and be like, what the fuck? So I think you should tell everyone because yeah, totally. I think that was the coolest shit I've ever heard. Oh, dude. I okay, I gotta much. pull it up. Hold on. Yes. Okay, let me let me get. So the we're we're referring together. to that red poster that uh, Zakia produced. We put up kind of towards the last episode. I'll put it. I'll put. I'll put a link to the to the Instagram post okay, in the chat okay. so so everyone can see. Super it. Okay. super cool art. So good. Yeah, there's a few. Okay, wait. Sorry. Okay, so there's a few things going on with that. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember. Okay. Uh, okay. One, I know that's very clear. Uh, the marching order is is intentional. Um, from the closest to us, the top of the stairs to the bottom, is frog. Nope, frost, frog, um, Ollie. Rose, and then Echo and Fluke. Um, Frost is close to the top of the stairs because the stairs lead into where the monster is and flying over the city, because that's how Frost ends. Um, oh man, there's so many other ones. Keep going. Ah, Wait, I it, have to look it up. The, the, the hands on the banister, I, that was one of them, I right? Put the, oh! Yeah, yeah, that, I saw the hand right now. Yeah, so there's two, um, everyone has their hands on the rail, but there's only two hands that go over the rails, and it's the um, the people that die, uh, the people that, that have, like, surprising deaths, or maybe unfortunate deaths. I feel like Fluke's death was kind of <laughs> earned. We all saw that one coming. Um, but yeah, we see Frost, and we see Oliver's hand over it. And what else? Oh, um, every, all of the stairs are, like, that's not how stairs look. They're super round. Um, and it's round because you can kind of see an abstracted elephant's trunk, but also the places where the Preda exists um, is outside of the rounded areas, which is why none of the Preda pieces go over the stairs because they're round. Uh, and I think that's everything. Well, there's I also, notice I noticed at so the top cool. of the stairs, there's kind of like a like a tentacle-like wing uh, yeah. that yeah. is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've, yeah, the... I've pasted yeah, it into OBS, so it's it's there now for our viewers to kind of look at a slightly smaller oh, nice. version. But I suggest oh. everyone find it and, and look in more detail. But yeah, yeah I'll, I'll cool. put it in chat. Okay. So I was like, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I was like, oh wow. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. That but was. Thank you. I literally sat for ten minutes in my car, like, holy shit, they did all this cool shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then my my go to favorite question because. Uh, I like it. Everyone pick a song from your playlist. Tell me why it's there. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Aaron, uh, Aaron, you have the easiest job. Anderson, <laughs> oh, why don't you say what you got? And I mean, I picked that one because, well, obvious reasons. Fluke went down in a burning rain of fire. He wanted to create. I'm not sure if if everyone picked up on it, but he wanted to create his master, yes. like supervillain plan was he was going to use the devil's night fires to burn a massive elder sign into the city of Detroit. So, um, and I was, I guess I was feeling lazy. So my whole, the whole flute playlist is. Well, it started as a joke times. of you being like, what if it's just bring a fire 10 times? And I was like, if you don't tell me anything different, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tell me anything different. So that's, so what, that's it what it is. Um, mine would probably be When Doves Cry by Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is the one song that I had introed Echo in, but mainly because I have the Prince's Purple Rain poster sitting in my office at work um, that my Bay partner, uh, Michael Taylor, brought in specifically for it to hang up in our office. Uh, we did, I believe we did some work on Purple Rain at some point at Postes, wow. but... Um, yeah, but it was just like the thought of it, and I thought it would be funny to include Prince since he was a, <laughs> as much in the '80s, and it's one of my favorite oh, yeah. songs from him. Um, to include that, yeah, for sure. my playlist. Um, I I'll choose uh, "Step Into the Bad Side" from Dreamgirls because yes. it's very Detroit, um, and it's also about. Uh, being naive and like having this idealized version of yourself also nothing i don't think most of the decisions frog made were not ones a dea agent should be making <laughs> so yeah um for me it's a tom Waits song called old 55 um probably is you know most popular one but uh incredible song that is about coming home from someone's apartment and, you know, driving into the dawn, basically. But it feels like a goodbye. The entire song feels like a goodbye. So when I started the the character, I, I decided that, you know, this song would have come out the same year that Oliver lost his mother, who was this huge influence in his life and reason he became a journalist. And now, post-campaign, it, it feels like exactly the sort of thing I would play on Ollie's Way Out because it is just about feeling as though you've done everything you can. You left feeling alive and now you're, you're leading the way out. Um, beautiful song. I love that one. Amanda. Uh, yellow, Amanda. I'm good. I, I literally was staring between two. Kodak I'm black like, yellow. Is that... <laughs> Bodak, oh, Bodak yellow. That was Bodak Bodak. We'll bring it back. Thank you for that. Uh, it's either Come On Feel the Noise by Quiet Riot hey. <laughs> or Crimson and Clover by Joan. <laughs> it was because the the way I was like, that to me, music is very inspirational. Like I can have a like a scene in my head and I'm like, that's the character. And the best way I could say is Come On Feel the Noise is in her garage as oh, she's yeah. literally fixing up her and her husband's truck. Like mm. with smoke, like that's she had how they. A husband. I forgot Ta-da. about that. Yeah. By the way, that character was straight. Yes. So yeah, what? she had a husband. <laughs> she was straight <laughs> AF. Honestly, didn't know. Yeah, that yeah. Frost had this whole piece. very romantic relationship where she would write these long letters to to their husband and and oh. back and forth. So that's why in her uh, recap she was writing a letter. Yeah, so she yeah. was writing a letter, and they were very kind of playful. Like, I would say they were high school sweethearts. He's in the Marines and all that. So that's why they wrote really long letters. Yeah. So, like, Aww. but th- to them, they were like little punk kids that grew up. So that's where it's like they were, uh, they were just like, yeah, that's where I see it. Like, so music, and they would rock out. So what was your what was your song for the 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 dress scenario? Oh, what's Tiffany's song? Yeah, Tiffany's, Tiffany's song. song are off the top of my head. These boots are made for walking. Mm. Oh, oh my god! god. <laughs> <Good word. laughs> Spot on. Yeah. As soon as she walks in, that's. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I. Um... I listen to a lot of "Eyes Without a Face" by Billy Idol, although that oh. I don't think that's necessarily 
the song for Reverberations, but for some reason of the songs I put on, I just always listen to that song. There's something kind of haunting about it. But I think the best song would be David Bowie's Panic in Detroit. Uh, originally, oh. the, the screenwriter uh, that kind of inspired my knowledge of Devil's Night had always wanted Panic in Detroit in the, in their movie, and it hasn't been produced yet, so I thought I'd kind of do a little homage and, and make that Aww. be the song. Hell yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Was that everybody? Uh, I'll, I'll give mine, I oh, guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think... Uh, Quédate Conmigo by Tito Rodriguez is probably mine, uh, which is stay with, stay with me in Spanish. Um, there's a line that's, si nadie en el mundo te ha querido así, quédate conmigo, which is, if no one in the world has loved you like I love you, stay with me. And so I think, like, that's a, that was kind of a huge thing for Rose and Ollie is, like, this person that, like, kind of gets her, like, when no one else kind of has and mm -hmm. that was really new for her. And the whole idea of like, yeah, that's conmigo as like, you just have, you just, you just have to stay with like, I can't like, you just have to like, there's, that's it. So that yeah. was, that was a big one for me. Uh, and also message in a bottle by the police. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. So I think yeah. I'm left. You are. For this last question, I'm actually going to do it in an Australian accent because I think you would kind of... Oh, yes. 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 put us in the right mindset, yes. okay? Oh, okay. Trog, we're so yes. sorry. Trog, we're so sorry. All right, so listen up, you bloody cunts. <laughs> Trog Bren from Patreon asks, This question is more so addressed to Caleb, Allegra, and Serge. Romantic relationships shared between PCs is an often contentious topic. Personally, I feel as though it's a performance where you balance on a knife's edge. It could go awry quick. I was hoping that you could explain your process behind creating Rose and Oliver's relationship, the collaboration between GM and players, how you felt it could accentuate the scenario, and tips you would have for players and GMs interested in similar circumstances. Goodbye. Yeah. I, I, I was quite. Did Aaron walk away? <laughs> oh, come on, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that bad. No, it was actually. It was, actually, not that it was just. I loved it, Serge. You need to do this more often. Let Same. me just say, oh, Trog, yes. I'm sorry. We appreciated while you were with us. I totally understand the unfollow. Yeah. I, I love, I love totally my Aussie us, fans. I, I love the Aussie fans. <laughs> Now, does anyone know what the question was? <laughs> Should I repeat it? We're talking about the relationship between Rose and Oliver. What was the inspiration? How did we start that? I'll start from my end. I did not initiate it. You two came to no, me with the did. suggestion. Yeah. I don't even... I think I think it stemmed from that same conversation where I was like, I'm going to be an investigative journalist. Fuck, never mind. No, I'm not. Yeah. And then I don't even know how we came to it. We had some discussion over how Merritt and Tuck's relationship were so antagonistic at the time that we wanted to find something that allowed us to be as good of friends as we are outside of this damn game. Right. Um, and, and that started out with like, well, what if they were brother and sister or what if they were such and such? But then as we were sort of in the process of writing these two, it just made more and more sense that they were clinging to each other in this situation and mm -hmm. i know you and me love trauma so immediately we love the oh, idea dear. of how, how do people in a delta green situation keep love alive like there's 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 no yeah. way we love the fatalism too of 
them not knowing they were going to be on the same yeah. DG project yeah, and then finding that out. Sucked. Um, yeah, I, that that was what I loved about it. I think we after we talked a little bit, we came to that conclusion of ooh, what if they actually don't know that they yeah. are both involved in some way? So that was a yeah, because we'd both done cases with them mm -hmm. before, but just separately yeah. and then separately. Se yeah, separately. And then we both had like like we were both affected by it and saw each other while we were affected by it, but it never like clicked. Yeah, really. yeah, not until yeah. In terms it was of collaboration, late. I yeah, yeah. I, I think I just kind of recommended that we try to play that up. Like I really wanted there to be that, Oh my God moment. And uh, Oliver did kind of do that in the, in the first mm -hmm. meeting when he saw Rose, he was like, I need to take a break. I need to walk away. Yeah. And that was yeah. kind of your, your indication to it. Um, in terms yeah, of advice, I... go ahead. I, I thought you were really gracious when we came to you too. Like when we had For this sure. initial idea, we said, well, we can do this under the predication that Sergio agrees and we can move forward with that. And it was, it was really right. cool because we came to you, we said plainly what we were looking at trying to accomplish, and you were like, hell yeah, let's do it. Let's see how it works within the, the realm, and we tooled some things in. And I think that in, in everything, you know, it's always about communication, especially in a game like this where mm -hmm. we sit at each other's tables and we want to be a part of what everyone created. And so, yeah, talking with you definitely focused things in. Yeah, and definitely, I think in that direction too. We, I don't know. I think, I think, I think we wanted to explore that. Like, it's not a huge thing in Delta Green. Like, like in D and D, sometimes it's like, like dating sim halfway. Yeah, which yeah. is fun too. Sure. But I think in in Delta Green, you have like that that added stress and that added like level of like you should like this should like, the mission should come before everything else. Yeah. And then if you have that romantic relationship, like where does that where does that kind of equal in. out? So I think that was something I was really interested in exploring for for Rose and Ollie because like you know how you have like that idea that like okay I made the scenario in my head and this is how I'm definitely going to react to it and this is how it's going to go and I like I'll be heroic and I'll be like really proud of myself and then and so Rose had that idea and then Ollie was there and that drove everything else out yeah like yeah. everything else was gone it was like okay well like this is the only this is the only person that's ever understood me this is the only person that I like want to be with so i have to like i have to i have to keep that alive and if the mission fails because of that i'm almost okay with it and like i think there's a lot of guilt in rose for that too of like i thought i had this whole plan and this one thing just yeah threw it out the window and that was something i was interested in trying too because i usually try and play people that are like for the greater good and i will do whatever and then having having someone who's doesn't necessarily stand by that was yeah. fun for me at least. I think that ended up Sometimes being a small. Be... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I I was gonna say uh, I think that. <laughs> Finish your thought, Caleb. <laughs> go, Caleb. <laughs> I, there must be some sort go, of Caleb, lag. Go, 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 buddy, go. Don't do it, Serge. Okay, go, Caleb, go, go, go. I was just gonna say I think that ended up being the conflict between you and me on the smallest scale possible of course they loved each other it wasn't going to be anything that broke them but yeah we both sort of traded on the what the hell are you doing uh you, you know you're gonna get yourself killed and then on the other side of it was well this is who we are this is who we've always been we're gonna do mm -hmm. what we came to do and it yeah. was that that fight that made things interesting between us on a relationship standard too yeah i think that's important to to realize as a gm is that one you can't force players to do this 
Secondly, yeah. it's only a certain kind of player that really enjoys doing this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you have to want to really play up some of the awkwardness that sometimes comes with being in a relationship and some of the challenges of communication. It, it, it's something that advanced role players, people that really want to kind of explore something would do. So you can't really force it on your players. Um, but if they're gung-ho about it, I mean, absolutely, I think it, it should be encouraged because it was justified because you weren't DG, you were friendlies, it, you know, you were more just kind of normal people. Even if you were DG, I could still see it working. I think romance has existed in, in between characters in Delta Green, other agents. And it just added so much narrative weight. There, there, were, there were consequences, there were stakes, and it took it from being just like a, like a procedural kind of story. It, it added this very nice human element to it. Um, it wasn't too hokey of a romance. It was something that felt very real and grounded. And I, th I think it just helped round out a fabulous, you know, run through of the, of the scenario. Um, uh, he asks, uh, any tips for players and gems in interested in similar circumstances? I, th I think the answer is obvious. You got to communicate and you have yeah. to, yeah. Uh, I think the players have to want to do it almost more than the GM to pull it off. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah, yeah. And, and from a player standpoint, no, one's, no one's going to touch that. But both in say like, it again. NPC... <laughs> so from a player standpoint, both in NPC situations and in um, like player to player romances, my my advice would be don't force your way into it try and find characters that you really think resonate with your idea. Because just like in real life, you cannot make two people be compatible or have chemistry or have any sort of relationship without there being that inherent connection. The same is true of role-playing. If, yeah. if you've ever thought a relationship on screen or in an actual play or anything that is hokey, nine times out of 10, it's because, you know, someone was trying to gain around love and, and a relationship that might not have worked so my suggestion is really look at who you made and think about who they would love. Yeah. And I think, I think something. Excellent answers. Okay. I have something. Uh, else. Oh, sorry, Serge. I have two, but I'll try to make them fast. The first one is, this is for everyone. Would you rather take reverb in a room with lots of corners or have a slumber party with Emmanuel? Uh, you know, uh, slumber party with I'd Emmanuel. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I think Emmanuel would kill at a slumber party. He would. Literally? He would. That's what's yes. <laughs> That's terrible fun. Okay. I'll take the slumber party uh -huh. too. I'll 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 punch that kid out. But the Preda you can't punch. <laughs> I feel like the Preda would be nicer to me in terms of death. That thing does not it's not interested in torturing me. Yeah. It's not interesting. In hearing my woes or anything like that, I feel like Emmanuel would make me last the entire slumber party before he killed me. But, no but there's no guarantee that the Predazo is going to show up. True. Right? Well, I, I guess that's I'll take true. those chances. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take those chances. I'll do the reverb. In the, it, it worries the me, though. I don't think of... Because it might come back, right? Like, it may be 20 yeah, years later, true. that thing fucking shows up for the last time. That's we... 20 years. Yeah, it, <laughs> but no. you don't know when, and it's We're in. not going to do yeah, yeah. I'm not doing no haunting of blind so man is, or shit. So it's like, like acid. Acid stays years. with you forever, but you know. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, and then my next question is, what was the most unique or interesting fact about the year 1984 or the city of Detroit that you learned while playing or researching your character? Which was the one that Sergio got wrong again? That one's my favorite. Oh, the one that I got wrong. There was one that you... I got one wrong. Oh, yeah. (laughs) If you guys are interested, this is what I did. Stand By Me is a movie that came out in 1986. The body is the short story it was based off. I should have said the body. I said stand by me. Fuck me. I know. That's my favorite fact that came out of that. I like that trains are sneaky in the 80s. I love both then and now. Always will judge Mathis. Yeah, yes. that was mine too. <laughs> judge Mathis, yeah. So this is something that not everyone might know, but there was a character in the game called Greg Mathis that kind of helped Echo. <laughs> he, you know, he was an informant. He 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 covered her her uh, shop while she was out. Greg Mathis was a real person. He ran with Pony down, but he grew up and he became Judge Mathis, a successful judge who eventually had his own daytime court TV show. He's a real person. No way. I love so, yeah. <laughs> I think that for me it was that in response of the Detroit Tigers winning the World Series that year, they burned their own fucking city. You know that that I'll say that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Was actually really cool. Yeah, just kind of uh, Devil's Night in general is a very interesting topic. Yeah. Yeah. And Angels Night too. That was. Yeah. Angels Night. For some reason, Angels Night pissed me off. I was like, God. Stop. Wait, I don't know what happened. I just imagined a bunch of like white suburban yeah. moms. Yeah, old like, ladies with their flashlights. Serge, quick question. What really caused all the fires then? It, I mean, it had there was nothing supernatural. It was just folks oh, running just around. I, I didn't know if it was tied in with it, like in your version. I was just like, oh. Maybe there could be a version I was thinking of eventually maybe making, like doing, re- not reverberations, but doing like a Devil's Night scenario where maybe there is an unnatural cause to the fires. But in a way, it kind of lessens the impact of the reality that this really that happened. True. This wasn't just some unnatural thing. It was a real thing that happened. When Samael first took the reverb, I was concerned that it was what started the riots on Devil's Night, that he was going to, like, set us on fire or something like that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. (laughs) All right. still time. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm like, that's interesting. I'm like, no, I don't like that. Well, I believe that is all the questions. Fabulous questions. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. Uh, this is the second of three. We're going to have one more probably in a, in a week or so. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, I think for the next one, we might actually try to do it live. I have no reason why we shouldn't. So number three will be live. We'll be able to take your questions on the fly. But we, we do have a last couple of questions from our, our Patreons and our friends on mm-hmm. Instagram and stuff like that. So uh, the phone lines are still open. If you want to submit more <laughs> questions, you can. Call one eight hundred Mayday MDRP. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's that's, that's, that's the show, guys. Thanks for uh, for checking in with us. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>